What is today? Trust that it is and will be and has been and is looked and considered as a day of rest and gladness. And um, as we share this morning, share together, I would like to look at some scriptures to encourage us in understanding its purpose and blessing, its origin, and its practice for us now, here and now today. I was intrigued with the title of this hymn. There were a number of other hymns that focus on the Lord's Day that merit consideration as well. But I was, um, it speaks of a day of rest and gladness and and as we look around us in these days, sometimes we, it seems like we look around us and we see stress and madness, that the world's on edge and, and the confusion out there is, is disconcerting at times. And I'm glad this morning that we can, can come back to gaze in the face of our Father for strength, for encouragement. it's to be a day of rest and gladness for us what is the premise what is the basis what is the the foundation of that spirit of restfulness that spirit of joy um, perhaps we'll look at a couple things regarding some of the reasons God gave in the Old Testament for the day of rest a day of rest a Sabbath there in the Old Testament dispensation but um I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 2 there, the first couple of verses. And we notice there a couple of things. Um, perhaps before I go into a couple passages there, I would just... perhaps encourage us to ponder today, our day of rest and gladness, the Lord's day, how is it? different than it was. Is it different than it was? And um, as those that have studied it or the older generation that were more aware of the progression over time, even in the laws of the nation which we are pilgrims in, the uh, blue laws that uh, gave some guidance on what was appropriate to occur on this day of rest and gladness um, by way of closed businesses and different things. But I guess the question would, we can ask ourselves, are there differences in what we do today than what our forefathers did? And were they wrong or are we wrong? Or can we both make improvements to the glory of God? <clears throat> In Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3, let's read those at this time. Here we read. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work from which God created and made. 
There's two words here I think we should remember and notice. It says he blessed and he sanctified it. It was seen as a a benefit that was to bring him glory and to bless his creation. It was consecrated for a special purpose. It had specific um, implications. And let's turn to Exodus chapter 31. And we'll see just a reminder there of of what he had in mind. Um, Exodus 31 verses 12 through 17. There's a number of things here I want to bring out. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbaths ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. Ye shall keep the Sabbath therefore, for it is holy unto you. Everyone that defileth it shall surely be put to death. For whosoever doeth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh it is is the Sabbath of rest. Holy to the Lord, whosoever doeth any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. find it interesting there in that passage it talks about that he rested but he was also refreshed now I'm not sure Um, um, I look briefly at that word I'm not sure totally the connotations of it but we think of when we think of our all-knowing almighty all-powerful God um, it's an interesting concept to think that he needed refreshment and yet we know that in other aspects, when he talks about his creation, he made, made the comment, or he tells us that it was very good. And um, so there is the sense of, of comparison, the sense of, of good, the sense of the opposite, and so forth. <clears throat> but there was to be a sign between them of that covenant, of that testament, that understanding, that agreement that was to be held in place. Um, and there's purpose behind it, as we see further in scriptures as well. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, there's reference made to some of the purposes behind that. Um, chapter let me begin reading in um, verse 12 here we read keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work but the seventh day in the Sabbath of the Lord is, is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God in it thou shalt not do any work 
thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand, and by a stretched out arm. Therefore, the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. So, as they were reminded of their duty to keep, to observe the Sabbath, they were reminded of, of that deliverance out of Egypt by Moses. That deliverance not only by Moses, but from bondage in which they were in. And there's a parallel we want to look at a little later on too. But the, the purpose of our day of joy and gladness, the Lord's day, reflects on our deliverance from the bondage of sin through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ as well. You know, there was an aspect of the children of Israel that they kept the Sabbath and yet they were found lacking in, in many respects and, it, and um, they were in some ways hypocritical, uh, hypocrites in that um, Jesus pointed out a few of those things. Perhaps in, let's turn to uh, Matthew chapter 12. Excuse me. Jesus was beginning to teach of his role in, as the Son of God, but let me break in here in verse 8. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. And when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days, that they might accuse him? And he said unto him, unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. They had taken the practice of the Sabbath almost to the point of excusing themselves from ministering good to the needs about them. And uh, Jesus was reminding them when he was being condemned for the possibility of the potential of healing a man. So we see that they kept that as a sign of the covenant with God and yet in a very imperfect way at times. <clears throat> Jesus later made the comment there in Mark chapter 2 where he talked about Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So there was some purpose in the old covenant and uh, one of the things as we look back, um, we understand, at least in significant part, the purpose of it. Turn to Romans chapter 15. 
Sometimes I think it's easy for us to ponder our Lord's day and say, well, it's just a different day than the Sabbath. But the scriptures would have us to understand that it is not just a different day. It is for a different reason. It is the same reason that we honor God. We observe a day of rest. But the purpose behind it is changed from the old dispensation. Um, here in verse 4, notice what is written to the Romans here. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now, the reference here of those things and, and the old dispensation recorded, um, he says they were written for our learning. In other words, we, we use them um, to, have a under, to develop an understanding, to understand what their purposes were. But just as Paul stated on a couple of occasions when he said, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that's, he refers to that there in Galatians at one point, that we might be justified. But in, in um, this reference to those things from aforetime, there's another concept we see referred to in the scriptures, that of the old giving way, casting um, a shadow, as it were, of something better to come. Hebrews, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 1, For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. Offered. Because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh in the world, into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin that thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, and the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldst, wouldst not, neither hadst pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Um, and I, I want to, I'm going to leave off reading in that passage, but I want us to think about the, the work of Christ that was foreshadowed in the Old Testament coming to, to fruition in the New and paving the way and give, giving direction and definition to our day of rest and gladness. Now turn over to chapter 8 in uh, Romans. Just go back a little bit. 
more references made to that here as the writer brings this out in verse 6 through 8. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by now, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the day come, days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. <clears throat> Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put new laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. They shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me for the least, from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to the unrighteous, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith, A new covenant he hath made the first. A new covenant he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. A reference to that transition that Jesus was pointing out in his life and ministry here as well. <clears throat> um, let's go to Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. <clears throat> Twenty-six, verse 26 as well. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Here he was instituting the new covenant, the New Testament of his blood, one that would... would, uh, what's the word I want, supersede or uh, annul um, that which preceded it, that shadow. But um, we see that. Sometimes we ask the question when Christ was on the cross there in, in John, it talks about his words when he, when he died. <clears throat> he said, it is finished. It is finished. that which was a part of that process had come to fruition. One other in the letter to the Colossians, chapter 2, there's a reference made here as to the Sabbath days being a shadow of things to come as well. Colossians 2, verse 8 It's a number of verses here I want to read down through verse 17, I believe. But here we read, Beware lest any man spoil, spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. 
For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Here we see a, a vibrant word picture of, of the, the work of Christ and its impact on the old covenant. And having spoiled principalities, in verse 15, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. A shadow of things to come. Your time is moving along. We see in that passage there quite a bit that is a part of our day of joy and gladness. Um, going back to Hebrews now, if you would. Hebrews chapter 4. <clears throat> The reference here to more than the Sabbath, but it's it it helps us to understand that change that God made possible from the old to the new. Hebrews chapter four, I want to read from verse one. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and that they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. There is a 
similar thought regarding the purpose of God's people to keep the Sabbath and to remember that covenant between them and God. And for us today to have entered into our the rest that he has made possible for us. And he says something very interesting here in verse 10. He says, For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. In Christ, we are taught, we are made to understand the folly of pursuing our own works, but that all we do, we entrust to him, we, we rest in him. And the question I have to ask myself this morning, have I ceased from my own works? Am I resting, sweetly resting in the cleft once made for me? I made reference earlier this morning, earlier in the message regarding the, the potential for us to be tempted to ponder the passing of those things around us and to miss out from the peace and rest as God would desire for us to rest in him, to trust in him. You know, we have some really good little songs we sing with the children, trust and obey, well, there's no other way. And yet sometimes we need reminders in this, our day of rest and gladness, that those things that can bring questions and stress into our lives, have we truly trusted him? Are we trusting in him? Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The day of rest and gladness, the Lord's day, is one wherein we see how it's implemented, how it's came to be somewhat. We want to look at um, a few of the <clears throat> details on that. I'm not doing a conclusive coverage of that by any means, but one of the things that's interesting in with regard to the Sabbaths and the other feasts that they were to observe, um, one of the other seven feasts that they were to observe was the Feast of the First Fruits. And it was a feast of which way they, they were to bring thanks and honor to God. First fruits. And it's interesting that we find a number of scriptures that refer to Christ uh, in that re respect as being the first fruits as well. Let's turn, uh, well, you can, if you care to, turn to Leviticus 23. Um, I was going to go down and look at verse 11, but I would just have you notice here, he, he goes back over uh, the directives given regarding the feasts. In verse 2, he refers to them, which she shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even 
these are my feasts. And then he goes, goes on to, to enumerate them. But a time of, of gathering together, of recognizing their purpose, of, of allowing them to be a connecting point of reflection with their covenant with God. And our gathering together on the first day, while it can often be forgotten to some very degrees, is to be a reflecting point on our connection with God through the new covenant, the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his resurrection on the first day of the week. Notice down in verse 11 here it says, And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow after the Sabbath. The priest shall wave it. The feast of the first fruits was to be done on the first day of the week. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 15. Paul writes here, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put down all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed it is death. Him, the first fruits. We are blessed and privileged to be able to worship and to hold the first day of the week. As hallowed. It's the day of Christ's resurrection. It is the day in that evening in which he um, met and entered into the presence of his disciples there in John 20. If you care to turn there. Verse 19. When he uttered those deep words of peace. The wrong gospel here. That doesn't help very much. Peace be unto you was the message he bore. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. The Lord's day is to be another day that we rest in his peace, that we worship him. In the early church, we see the record that it was a time of gathering together, that they could lay aside of the blessings of God to meet the needs 
around them as well in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2 there, of uh, that they wouldn't need to do special gatherings when he came. See, our time is moving along. I want to... There was a verse I, I did want to bring up yet. Let's go back to Leviticus uh, 23. Later in that chapter. Um, I made reference to it there in verse 11. But in verse 21. And you shall proclaim on the selfsame day that it may be an holy convocation unto you. You shall do no servile work therein. It shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. It was an act of significant impact in their life. The Lord's Day today. What is the impact of it for us? Are we maintaining its blessing? It is our day of deliverance that has come through Christ. One to which the old covenant Sabbath pointed toward Christ. Now we are blessed to be a part of it. We are no longer in the shadows, but we are to walk in the light as he is light. Perhaps I want to look at a couple of scriptures from Isaiah. Um, <clears throat> kind of the beginning and the end, so to speak, but in chapter one, <clears throat> and then later in chapter 58, Chapter 1, verses 13 and following. The, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, there is a sense in which the nature of man is deals with some of the similar challenges and so forth, but I want you to notice what they were uh, reminded of here. It says here, bring no more vain oblations incense. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, calling of assemblies, I cannot away, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meetings. <coughs> your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you take when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. For your, yeah, your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the blood or eat the good of the land. Pardon me. But if ye refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. There he gave some rather stern words as to the purpose and completion of of their instructions they were given. Now let's go to Isaiah fifty-eight. 
two verses here at the end of this chapter. And I thought it, it gives a beautiful picture, not only in that setting, but for us today as we consider our responsibility to, to honor the Lord's Day, to worship. He says here in verse 13, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. There is in the old and in the new ample evidence given as to our worship to God is due Him. Our praise to Him is due Him. And in that we find the thoughts and comforts of that rest, that day of rest and gladness as we reflect on the work of God, as we remember, and I think sometimes we do so more perhaps at communion and Easter and different times, different aspects, but I think Sunday is to be a celebration of His resurrection. And... Um, when we think of the joy of the Lord, the day of the, the Lord's day, we can ask ourselves, is it about me or him? Is it about us or his kingdom? Because we're challenged in all around us um, as to what is necessary. What are the limitations But we do know, as we look around us, that if man chooses to begin to take liberties and to exercise the, the flesh in not regarding the day of rest, we see that downward slope of, of um, backsliding people we see its effect on society around us. And, you know, I thought about trying to make a specific list of things that we could do, should do, should not do. But, you know, I believe it comes down ultimately to the greater extent that when our heart is desirous of honoring Him truly, then it's not too hard to make decisions that glorify him do you understand what i'm saying brother and sister in other words if our heart is is set to praise him to worship him to reflect on him to enter into that day the lord's day with seeing it as a rest and gladness in our lives then it changes the purposes we go about doing things and yet i know sometimes uh, different circles you find different challenges um in different settings, well, what about this on on the Lord's Day? What about that on the Lord's Day? And, and um, 
perhaps we could ask ourselves, is it the joy of the flesh or the joy of the spirit that causes us to do what we do? I think that gives us a degree of safety. Technology has brought a lot of changes. We live in a day where now even the mailman will make deliveries on Sunday. But what do you do when you go, maybe you've been looking for some item and you find something on eBay and you, have you noticed that a lot of those auctions end on Sunday evening? I haven't kept up with it, but I, at one point it caught my attention. There's a lot of those kind of things. So what do we think? Well, I'll just bid earlier in the week and, and then if I win the, the auction, why well, I get it. But then what about Sunday afternoon? Do you check and see if you're the highest bidder? Do you see the subtlety of, of how it can creep in and, and occupy our, our minds and our time and take us away from what is to be a day of rest and gladness. Other practical areas perhaps without going into great detail is, is travel. What is appropriate on the Lord's day? Um, we often tongue-in-cheek use the term a Sabbath day's journey. <clears throat> but that can be, again, applied according to how we, how we choose, whether in the flesh or in the spirit. Are we content to consider um, justifying eating out on Sunday, especially if you're traveling. I would just ask us if, if we normally shouldn't, we should honor the Lord, then how can we then? More time, Many times I think it's more of us understanding that what we do, we need to do within the realm, within the, realm, within the boundaries, the parameters of, of what honors Him in today's society. See, the time is gone. I was hoping to have a couple hymns. There's, there's quite a number here. Open your church hymnals. Just look at them with me. One of the old ones that I thought about was, To thy temple I repair. Lord, I love to worship there. Um, then on page, uh, on number 168, <clears throat> I'm not sure if I know this song very well, but the, the words I'd like to share with you here in, in closing. Once more we come before our God, once more his blessing ask. Oh, may not duty seem a load, nor worship prove a task. Father, thy quickening spirit send on us in Jesus' name to make our waiting minds attend and put our souls in frame. May we receive the word we hear, each in an honest heart. Hoard up the precious treasures there and never with it part. To seek thee all our hearts dispose to each thy blessing suit and let the seed thy servant sows produce abundant fruit. Notice the last verse in special, especially here. The thirsty, the thirsty bless with heavenly showers, the cold with warmth divine. 
And as the benefit is ours, be all the glory thine. That last, that last verse says it so well. When we're hungry, we can feed. When we're cold, his word warms us. His spirit ministers to us. And as the benefit is ours, be all the glory thine. 